Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to everybody listening wherever and whenever this podcast finds you. Thanks for tuning in and welcome to the Did You Know podcast. Today I'm going to be welcoming uh, Stefan Kinsella back on the podcast. He was back here in episode 36 to talk about patent trolling specifically with Craig Wright. But today we're actually going to be talking about a very interesting topic, and that's actually going to be about the concept of ownership property and control in Bitcoin and why he believes, as I do also, that you can never actually own Bitcoin, that the word ownership to control and that property rights themselves are very specific terms that we use a little bit too loosely within Bitcoin without actually ever delving into the meaning behind them and how they actually apply. And I think you guys are going to really enjoy this. These are very, it seems like fringe topics, but they're very important to really understand Bitcoin, because if you don't understand the basics of your relationship to it, it's going to be really un uh, hard to understand how it actually functions. Uh, but uh, first, before we head into the podcast, uh, just a few words from our sponsor, eToro, who has been a sponsor for quite a few months now, and they are a uh, platform that predates Bitcoin. Over 12 years old, they conduct about a, a trillion dollars in trading annually, and they offer a lot of innovative tools, uh, such as uh, this basically this virtual kind of trading portfolio, where you'll get $100,000 of fake money, basically, and you can practice your strategies. And they uh, are also offering something called copy trading now. They have almost a social network of traders, and with over 3 million traders to choose from, you can follow and interact with other traders, but you can actually copy multiple traders to help diversify your portfolio. So you'll go through, you'll find traders that you think are worthwhile, and you basically copy their trades. So once you find a trader that you want, you simply click on the copy button to start automatically copying their positions you'll be asked to specify a certain percentage of your funds that you want to allocate for copying for them and the amounts for the copy trades will be calculated accordingly and traded in real time so if you're kind of a new trader or you don't have as much time as you want to you know devote to it you can use this if you're actually a really good trader other people on the platform can actually copy your trades and you will get a small percentage of the profits that they're that they're making so it's it's a win-win for everybody. So if you want to connect with 11 million other traders where you can discuss everything from charting, strategies, trading, everything like that, head over to didyouknowcrypto.com slash eToro. That's E-T-O-R-O. When you use my link, it helps them let you know or let them know that you're a listener of the podcast, but you also get 50 bucks for free. So everybody wins. Everybody's happy. It's a great deal. Head over to didyouknowcrypto.com slash E-T-O-R-O. And a few other things I'd like to mention. If you could head over to iTunes, leave a written review, five stars if you think that I'm worth it. I would really appreciate that. And also as a thanks to you, I have the supportmypodcast.com. And when you first go there, you'll see iTunes review, Amazon links, the shop through there, which I appreciate. But you will also see a link to big button that says listener uh, discounts. Click on that button. It's going to give you a list of the ever-growing list of listener discounts that I am offering. Everything from discounts on Trezors and Keep Keys to Mushroom Coffee to VPNs. You can get 75% off plus one month free using NordVPN, which is a great VPN service. So head over there. See if you like it. 
I think you really are. It's absolutely free. So that's my thanks to you. And I'd also like to just say personally, thank you for listening. You guys make all this possible. I appreciate it. Enjoy the show. Podcast. Today I welcome back to the podcast uh, Stefan Kinsella, libertarian activist and registered patent attorney. He's the founder of the Libertarian Papers and author of numerous books and articles on libertarianism and its application to law. Stefan, welcome back to the podcast. Hey, thanks, Dustin. Uh, so the last time uh, you were here, you know, we'd already kind of gone over your your backstory and everything, so we didn't need to rehash it if listeners want to know. Um, more about uh, Stefan's background, you can listen to episode 36, uh, where we discuss patent trolling and Bitcoin and patents in general. That link will be in the show notes, um, or if you're on YouTube down in the uh, description. But um, what I wanted to talk about today was kind of the concepts of property and Bitcoin. Um, but first, let's just lay out the, the concepts that we'll talk about, that of uh, property ownership and kind of control in general, just kind of general um, uh, concepts and, and principles. You know, what are these, what are the legal origins uh, as a concept and, and how do you uh, define them? Yeah, so what happens as I've noticed this in Bitcoin circles and libertarian circles, when you use certain terms, right, people get triggered. Uh, and if you say, if someone says like uh, my bitcoins were stolen or something like that, I mean naturally my mind think, uh, goes towards what does stealing mean? What does property rights mean? Is this uh, a coherent claim? Um, and so I just made a couple of comments thinking about it over the last three, four, five years. Well, you don't really own bitcoin for these reasons as far as I can see. and Everyone gets upset about that because Bitcoiners are completely, you know, in their corner and arguing for their their thing, right? So if you say you don't own Bitcoin, they think that's you think you're they think you're attacking it, and I'm not. I'm just analyzing it from a legal libertarian point of view. So ownership to me, as a libertarian, as a lawyer, as a a uh, regular person living in the West, ownership to me means the legal right to control a resource. Now, we could be more precise about that, but basically that's what it means. Now, that's as distinct from controlling a resource. So there's the legal right to control a resource, and there there's the actual ability to control a resource, which is why we distinguish between uh, possession and ownership. Which is why that people say that uh, possession is nine-tenths of the law, by which what they mean is if there's a dispute over who owns a resource, which means the legal right to control, we the first assumption is that whoever is controlling it, who's possessing it, is the, is the presumed owner, right? the default owner. So you have these concepts in, in economics and in law. Economics as in controlling a resource, using a resource to uh, achieve some end, and then in law, 
law says what you should have the right to control. Um, and so then the question arises, what's the status of Bitcoin? If Bitcoin emerges as a, a real force, it's already a big force. If it becomes a bigger force, what is the status of my, my holdings or my possession of Bitcoins? Do I own them? Is it theft to steal them? What are the remedies? These kinds of things. So these questions emerge and people shoot from the hip with their, with their pistols, right? And they just make assumptions and they say, I own these Bitcoins, but what they mean is I can control these Bitcoins. So my view has come to be that theoretically speaking, technically speaking, not that it matters too much, but I don't think we own Bitcoins because owning a Bitcoin would mean owning other people's computers, basically, and they own their computers. So that's sort of the, you know, the uh, the libertarian, you know, explosion, posi you know, position. Like, oh, here's my view. That's not what everyone else thinks, but that's my view, that people own their own computers, but no one owns Bitcoins. Now, as far as for that, that concept of it's, you don't have ownership of it in the traditional sense, because um, you, as, as far as that, that would mean that you're inferring ownership over other people's computers who are participating on the Bitcoin network. Um, I, I guess, I mean, my, my question would be, is that, um, with, with this, this thought is that it, as far as for what you're owning in Bitcoin really comes down to, or when people refer to that is the control of your private keys. Um, and then the UTXO sets, the, the, you know, people tend to call it the Bitcoin that they, that they hold, um, within that that private key and because nobody's claiming um, when it's kind of used as you kind of said it's more of a colloquial use of it than an actual legal definition but when people in bitcoin talk about it they're they're not talking about you know like i own every node or i own the blockchain but just your specific little piece that we refer to with our um, private keys and and those utxo sets um but with that I mean, I would tend to, well, I guess as far as for the legal definition, I guess to, 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 um, to back it up just a little bit, as far as for the difference between, you know, control and, and own, um, what are, what would be a, a kind of a, a, a better definition to kind of help people understand, um, you know, why you, you know, you don't own, but, um, if we could just kind of define, because um, well, we have overlapping terms in economics and and uh, legal traditions, but um, either or would work for me, or if if those need to be uh, done separately. But the differences between ownership and and control. Right. So economically and in describing human action, we observe that human beings employ scarce means. We that that means we use scarce means or scarce resources to accomplish our goals. So that's just employing or using or possessing a resource. Now, most people 
use the term ownership to refer to that because ownership means control. So ownership, I believe, should be restricted to the legal sense. Like uh, if you're Crusoe, you're a guy living by yourself outside of society, you need to employ scarce means. You need to use things, possess them, dominate them, control them, employ them, whatever. Um, but you don't have a legal right as against any other person because there are no other people. So when other people enter the picture, we have a legal society, and ownership rights has to do with the legally, societally recognized right to control this resource. So it's like an extension of the natural ability to control or employ or use a resource. Um, but what's important to recognize is that in human action, which is what we do, every person does this every second of the day, they make, they make a decision, they do something. Um, and when they do that, they employ a resource. They employ their bodies, their discourse time, uh, other things that they have connected to them legally or, or physically, and they use those resources to accomplish goals, right? And so the, uh, the, the point is when you act, you're always aiming at the future. And when you aim at the future, the future is always possibly uncertain. Right, and so the what we have is we have a, a situation where in human action, when you act, when you do anything, any of us, this sounds complicated. Mises called it praxeology, which is a complicated term. Sounds complicated, daunting, but it's really not. It just means the logic of human action. All that means is if you think about what we do when we act, is that we we think about the future. We don't like what we see coming. We understand something about the way the world is, and we think that we can interfere with things to change these, the course of events. So we grasp or use or manipulate or possess certain things within our reach. These are scarce means of action or scarce resources, things that we use to change the course of events. But we're, we're doing this guided by our knowledge. So every human action has as an ingredient of it knowledge about the way the world works, right? about what's to come, about what we think is coming, what we, what we think is going to satisfy us, what we think are the causal laws, right? and also uh, the use of means of action to accomplish something. So every human action has these two things in common, scarce means of action and knowledge. Now, the scarce means of action are things that only one person can, can use at a time. That's why they can be conflict over those. That's why we have property rights over those things. But the knowledge infuses our action and is embodied in human society and culture and history over time and grows, which is why we become richer over time. It's because our knowledge of – our technical knowledge of the way cause and effect laws worked grows over time. And those are an ingredient of action that is essential and crucial, but it is not the subject of property rights. So that's the basic argument against intellectual property is that it, it, it attempts to make knowledge which, or ideas or information, which is one of the key ingredients of human action. It, it attempts to subject it to the laws of scarcity, which is not subjective. I think that 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 fits in well. I was having, you know, I was trying to think about, uh, you know, as of late, 
Um, because I do agree with you, although I think I, I look at it from a different perspective. I do agree that you can't own Bitcoin. Um, I think that this is because you, you can't own numbers, right? That's it's 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 not something it's not a physical piece of land or whatever um, that that you can actually uh, own in the, that same sense. And there was a, a gentleman, um, Max Hillebrand, uh, when he was on a Crypto Voices podcast, which you've been on as well. Um, and I think his description of Bitcoin in terms of ownership is probably the, the best one that I've that I've heard. And he described it as that you merely occult, you know, to hold secret the knowledge of the private key. And and this private key has, you know, custody, I guess, or, or I guess you could say control in, in a way, although, you know, like you, you've stated that that has legal implications as well. But you kind of have temporary custody um, of the UTXO sets um, and you never actually own it at all, um, because if if you end up sending it to somebody, then it's somebody else's. If it um, you send it to an address that nobody ever checks, it's, you know, it's it's technically lost probably forever or they've lost a private key to it um it's it's just something that you're holding secret and that kind of to me that's almost akin to the the concept of intellectual property and in that um it's it's not a good it's it's a a thought so if i you know just like if i have the idea about the next uh, how to build a hologram i i have this idea i build it i have it in my house I, in, unless somebody else comes along that knowledge uh, independently I, you know, I own it. I can't make money off it because I'm keeping it secret. But if I broadcast the knowledge of how to build a hologram uh, via my company that I build, then other people should be able to take that idea because you can't, you shouldn't be able to, you know, uh, say that it's a, an idea step. And in a way, the the knowledge of your private key is in the same way. As long as you hold it secret, it's yours. If you broadcast, if I put my private key up on Twitter and I tweet it out, it's everybody's or whoever gets gets to it first. Right, and these ideas get to be very complicated, and you have to have a fairly um, nuanced or sophisticated view of private property rights, contract, and these things to sort these issues out, right? So um, this is why I keep bringing up IP even though I – don't like to do it, but it keeps coming up because it's relevant because there's a connection. And the connection is that the reason that intellectual property is invalid, okay, ultimately, if you look at like Rothbard's argument against defamation law, reputation rights, is that what people think about you is in their own heads. So if you have a right to that value, you basically own other people's heads or their brains. Which would be slavery, which obviously is a, a misstep, right? And so, if you start thinking about the, the the distinction between information or knowledge, which guides action, and the means of action, which are the essential prerequisites of action, they're distinct things. They're both important to action. But once you realize that we libertarians and actually Human society in general and private law society in general, they tend to um, they tend to uh, adopt certain rules which are basically libertarian, private law rules, which is basically uh, the first person to own a resource or to use a resource that was never used before 
has a better claim than someone else, and, th and then that person becomes the owner, and then they can contractually convey it to someone else by a gift or a sale or whatever. I mean this is basically the rule of all private law. It's a way to identify who the owner of a resource is when there's a dispute, and we, we say who was the first owner? Did someone have a contractual conveyance? That's it. So these are the, the rules of private disputes, right? But when you have ideas in mind, so, so uh, 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 let me put it this way. These rules are complete, and this is a, a significant uh, assertion. They're complete. And when I say they're complete, what that means is that they exhaust the possibilities. Like that will answer the question. If there's ever a dispute between two or three or more owners over a resource, you could answer the question in principle by asking who had it first, what was contractually conveyed, contract and first ownership. That's basically it. There's another one, but it's too boring about rectification. But the point is the question is always who owns what when there's a dispute. Now, when it comes to something like Bitcoin, we have to recognize that Bitcoin is a data structure, which is implemented it's, – it's a, it's a ledger stored upon 10,000 people's computers around the world. So to have an ownership right in a Bitcoin, which would, would, would mean to have an ownership right in a ledger entry in a ledger that's stored on other people's computers. Now, either you have a right to their computers or you don't, right? So to me as a libertarian, this is the fundamental question. Who owns that hard drive? To me, that's the fundamental question. Who owns the hard drive where a given copy of the blockchain is stored? Who owns that? Do the Bitcoin holders own a partial ownership of that, or does it… Is it owned totally by the owner of the computer that's sitting in a mine somewhere in the Ukraine or whatever? Now, my answer is the owner of the computer owns his hard drive, and that's it. Period. A hundred percent. You know, in the end of end of question. And if you don't understand that, saying that. You have an ownership in a Bitcoin means that now you've transferred ownership from this guy's computer to you or to a court that's going to issue an order saying we have to roll back the blockchain or whatever, right? which is like what Craig Wright and his cronies have done in this antitrust thing in Florida. I mean they use the law. They want to use the law to have a result that they want, and they want the court to issue a decree to… A, B, C, D, E, F, and G, big players in the Bitcoin cash space saying, roll your blockchain back because the other guys didn't do what it was legally permissible, right? Violate any trust laws, whatever. So they want the government courts to issue an order to private owners of their own property to roll back their own blockchain, which is to manipulate their own property. In ways that they don't want to do, which is always the result of this this IP mentality, this 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 Bitcoin ownership mentality. You have to basically say that 
if I own a Bitcoin, it ultimately means that a court system somewhere can give an order to some private property owner to roll back their 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 blockchain record on their own private computer. And to my mind, as a libertarian, that's illegitimate because they own their 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 computer and the government doesn't. Well, this kind of brings up an, an interesting concept in that there's been such debate. I mean, since Bitcoin started, I mean, even early on, Satoshi participated in a in a talk asking about, you know, Mises regression theorem of, of money and does Bitcoin meet it and all that kind of good stuff. And I, um, I, I've talked with Jeff Tucker on the podcast about that very topic and and Bob Murphy as well, uh, as far as for does it meet Mises regression theorem? Um, you know, what kind of money is it? You know, is it a fiat money? Is it a, is it a, is it a, a hard money? You know, and it almost seems to me that within this concept, if without lack of ownership um, be, being present uh, in a decentralized system like this, that it's almost as though um, it's, I guess if, if it is money, then it's a, a, a new form in that it's almost as though uh, knowledge itself is, is the money right is is what unlocks those utxo sets the knowledge of that private key that you don't necessarily own that you're just holding secret that you uh, use to unlock that utxo set to be able to send to somebody else and if they accept it as you know a form of you know for services or or um products or whatever it may be that it's not since it's not a good it can't really um necessarily meet meet these definitions of money as as we have known them or would you disagree well i think that uh, let's go back to crusoe okay so this is rothbards or whatever uh, the idea of acting man alone in the world we have to act we have to use resources right um there's no possibility of conflict if we're alone. When we enter society, there's a possibility of conflict, but there's also the possibility of cooperation, right? And with the possibility of cooperation comes the possibility of exchange. And with the possibility of exchange comes a possibility of indirect exchange, which which is where money emerges from, right? So you have these institutions emerge naturally. Um, and then the law, because people tend to be civilized, um, the law matches that or, 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 or tracks that, right? And so, so I would say that the idea of ownership is an augment. Uh, it's like a legal augment to the idea of possession. So. To act in the world, we have to control things and use things and possess things and manipulate things. And then because other people emerge, we can have conflict. So we have rules or, nor or norms or laws that, that, that regulate or prohibit certain actions, right? And so the whole purpose of ownership is a legal augment that makes it… Uh, more possible to use in a physical way. Like, so the natural situation is to use in a physical way the resources you have at your disposal. 
but because there's a possibility of conflict, as humans, some of us that are civilized want to minimize that and make it more possible to use your resources without unnecessary conflict with our fellow humans. So we have property rights, property laws, laws, rights. That's what this is all about, right? So the question then becomes, what about something like Bitcoin? Now, to my mind, and I'm a Bitcoin, uh, I won't say fanboy or enthusiast, but I'm cautiously pessimistic about it, right? Which, because I'm a, a lawyer, that's a good thing for me. I mean, um, uh, the way Bitcoin is designed is that you can use this knowledge-based scheme or schema, right? Without permission, without trust, without rules, without signing onto a contract, without giving up your identity necessarily, etc. Um, and so it's useful. And my bicycle, my car can be stolen. My watch can be stolen. But it's very, 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 very difficult to steal a Bitcoin in the sense of taking it without my my negligence or my complicity, right? I mean, if you keep the key relatively secured, it's almost impossible for someone to so-called take your control over your Bitcoin entering the ledger. Um, and that's not because of law. That's because of the way te the technology is designed. So my view is that the practical control you have over your own Bitcoins because of the technology, right, is in a way better than what the law gives you right now over your bicycle or your car. Yeah, if my bicycle or my car or my watch is stolen or my house. I mean, real estate is a different situation, but yeah, I can theoretically get it back with a lot of cost and effort, whatever. But Bitcoin basically can't be taken because it's impossible to guess the, the, the private key uh, or to hack it, and I don't believe in this quantum you know, quantum computer bullshit, so I'm not worried about that either. So in a way, law becomes uh, irrelevant to Bitcoin, which is what bothers, I believe, minarchists, mainstreamers, lawyers, because they become unnecessary, right? You don't really need law to – all you need to do is keep your key from being copied by someone. That might take some trickery, some ingenuity, but over time, people will figure that out because that's a lot cheaper than you know, putting your gold in a bank in, you know, in Italy or somewhere. So… I think that when I say that you can't own Bitcoins, it's not an insult. It's a compliment. It means that it's a new type of thing, and the security you can get from private keys and the system itself is greater than what you can get from the legal system protecting legal property rights. No, I I agree. Um, but 
thinking about because e- even within uh, the ideal uh, society, you know, where where it's you know voluntary based, that there would be, you know, the the sorts of arbitration for property disputes and those types of things that would exist, and we have seen. Well, I guess Mount Mount Gox is a bad example because that was actually a, an exchange that had custo- uh, custody of 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 your Bitcoin or of US dollar, whatever, right? Um, and then they lost it. So it's slightly different. But let's say, uh, you know, there's an individual that uh, was an early Bitcoiner. They had, um, you know, a hundred Bitcoins, and we're in some uh, future where it's worth uh, that. That's a, that's a large fortune, and uh, the proverbial, you know, five dollar wrench attack occurs where um, there's multiple witnesses where that person goes up and threatens them, um, forces them to hand over their private keys, and they were uh, not smart enough to to hold those in, in in a lot more secure fashion and multiple addresses and that kind of stuff. Um, would you know? Obviously, there's no way, unlike within what SV is saying, where we'll just comply and make you know the miners will just comply with an order and roll roll it back or like how libra would work where they would comply and just roll back the state of their blockchain and allow thefts and things like that to to be um to to me it's almost like you could take someone do like an ar- ar- arbitration um but there's really nothing that they could do with it if that person doesn't give up that knowledge that they stole from you or if they pass it along yeah so so here's how I look at this. I mean, there's there's two types of ways of looking at it, like how you predict things would happen. And I think we're always on a dangerous uh, uh, game when we, we try to do that because we can't predict um, the future state of things, right? But um, if you understand like the basics of contract law property law and even a Rothbardian or a libertarian uh, take on these things, right? Some things come out of it, which is that um, to call a Bitcoin a piece of property. Okay, let's just let's just go there. I own now, the reason people say that is because they value it, and they, they count it as part of their estate and their value, and people are used to intermingling economic concepts with legal concepts and whatever, and I understand that. Um, but if you, if you say I own this Bitcoin, it's, it's problematic because, as I said… The Bitcoin is just an entry in the ledger. The ledger is a, is 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 a is a ledger that's copied ten thousand times and copied and stored on many people's hard drives. So, theoretically, if you had a property right in that Bitcoin, then a court could order. I don't know who, the main nodes, everyone. I don't know. It could order people to roll back. Which roll back the blockchain to restore it to the state where someone didn't get stolen from, or whatever, right? Which is like the analog would be if you have a bicycle or a car or a watch and you finally find it 50 years later, 
even if an innocent third party has ownership of that or possession of that the, that property, theoretically the cops could say turn it over to the rightful owner. But then, but then, but then, what would happen? Let's let's imagine a free society where this is possible, where I buy a house or I buy a bicycle or I buy a car or a truck or a steel mill or whatever, and I have to assume the guy selling it to me owns title to it and can transfer that to me. What am I going to do? I'm going to hire property title attorneys. They're going to look into it, right? and if there's uncertainty, they're going to make a judgment, and then maybe – guess what? Maybe they will sell me something no one's ever heard of called property title insurance. Oh, yes, everyone's heard of it right? because everyone does this. And so insurance would be a backstop for the ways that we do things that turn out to you know, not be the way that we want them to be. If I buy a house and five years later someone comes along and says you've got to leave because the guy you bought it from didn't have title, well, then the title insurance company that gave me title insurance… It's got to pay me, right? Or if I can't find Aunt Rose's gold watch, I get property title insurance for that, right? Or if I find the guy that has it and there's a dispute, our insurance agencies will settle it. These are not really the big questions of society. These are not hard questions. But the point is that you can't count on property title insurance for everything. For something like Bitcoin, I suppose you could imagine a type of insurance market arising, um, although because of the nature of Bitcoin, you don't really need to pay someone to store your Bitcoins. I mean you can, but if the fees are too high, no one would because you don't really need them. right? You can just do it on your own Trezor. Right, and in the future, this will get easier. So this is going to be a non-problem at some point. So I just don't see this Bitcoin theft problem becoming the nub of the issue. No, and I, I think it it almost kind of meets that caveat emptor in in, in a way um, of that if you don't take the precautions it's no different to me than if you had you know uh, we a lot of us had that proverbial grandparent that didn't trust the banks or great grandparent i should say because they lived through the depression and would keep money um stashed all around um a friend of ours he the they, they talked about after they passed they would find a thousand dollars rolled up in a coffee can full of nails and in the walls and that kind of stuff and that if you choose to be insecure with it if somebody comes in your house and starts ripping out your walls takes that cash and walks off with it because you are not secure with the way that you are holding it um there's there's no insurance that's going to cover that sort of thing um for you just being blatantly irresponsible for it but i i agree i think that there's going to be a, a rise of an insurance regime that will come to meet these challenges as well as just technology that assists the average person because right now it is a little bit uh, difficult for the average person off the street that doesn't want to spend hours um, 
kind of research. I shouldn't say hours, but even hardware wallets have their limitations as well. Uh, but but I, I it seems like a, a bit of a cop out sometimes when when people just say technology will fix this. Uh, but I, I don't I don't think so because uh, I think that there's going to be much better ways of securing this knowledge in the future uh, because the incentives will be there in society for entrepreneurs to come up with these. There already are and people already have done so from from the beginning. Very early on, it was it was paper wallets, and then you saw hardware wallets making you know being created to make it much more secure and easier for the for the average person to you know, hold, uh, and use Bitcoin. Um, so, so yeah, I, 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 I agree. I, I don't, I don't think that the, the attack vector of physical attack is, is as big, but it's, it's not unprecedented or, and it, it's not as though this problem hasn't existed already. Well, to, so to a my, extent. so my, my take on this is that, um, like money is a new phenomenon in human history, right? It's it's basically a way to intermediate exchanges to to reduce the double coincidence of want problem, to solve the economic calculation problem. But the the legal framework that surrounds it is still developing because it's a new it's a new thing really, and people are. I mean, why would people focus on usury as a problem, charging too much interest rates, right? Because they treat it as a new thing. And that's because it is a new thing. And we're getting used to it, but it's going to be here to stay. We're, we're going to need money, right? We're going to have uh, – from my point of view, we're, we're here in 2019 – we're, we think we're in the modern times, but you and I both know that aliens in 2,000 years are going to look at this and laugh because digital money is – I mean is coming. Digital, digital everything is coming. There's no doubt about it. Whether it's Bitcoin or not, I don't know. But the idea that we digitized everything except money… It's ridiculous. So it's coming. So we're we're right now in the middle of all this, right? This revolution. Where do you? I mean, I guess we kind of touched on it as well. But where do you see? Because uh, there there is going to be. We, we talked about the way that things should work, and uh, based based on these uh, very well thought out concepts uh, based on you know the libertarian and the Austrian traditions and, and, and common law as well to an extent. But what do you think the governments and I guess individual states and, and world government uh, or various national governments around the world are, are going to do because we, we've seen some laws come up. There's been one in California recently uh, regarding you know the quote unquote control of Bitcoin or um, the IRS just issued guidance. That if you had Bitcoin in August of 2017, let's just say you had one Bitcoin um, at the time when there was the fork and you had one um, – you, you now held technically 
the private keys to one Bitcoin Cash as well. And then later, Bitcoin Gold and Bitcoin Unlimited, whatever, right? And a thousand other ones now. I think there's like over 50 or 100. And now you actually owe taxes because they've now taken a stand and saying that you owe taxes on this, even if you never touched it, never use it, never intend to ever try to figure out how much Bitcoin gold you actually own across all your various addresses. And but now you technically own um, owe, owe taxes state. So what do you think that the government's. Um, what their what what their what is their game plan going to be? How are they going to define Bitcoin? Because they already kind of have as a property in in the U.S. But you know, how do you think that they're going to go about um, answering this question? Well, I mean, I think governments are uh, governments are stupid, but evil. So they will blunder through and do things that cause harm, and they don't care because they do their mission. Um, they are slower than I thought to react to the threat of Bitcoin. Uh, in my mind, it's like Uber. Uh, Uber it was clearly a threat to the taxi cab, monopolies, etc. But they kind of crept onto the scene in a way that by the time the Taxi cab unions got alerted. It was too late to stop it because everyone likes it because it makes sense. And I am slightly hopeful as a libertarian pessimist that something like that happens with the Bitcoin. Like it, it creeps onto the scene, and by the time the state realizes what a threat it is to their state fiat monopoly system. Um, that everyone, even in the state, like everyone in the state has a cousin or a nephew or they have their own Bitcoin account or they're using it, and it gradually just like throws away – I mean this is the, the utopian idea, right? It throws away the existing order. Uh, I can see it's possible. I know some Bitcoin uh, enthusiasts who predict this. I am cautiously pessimistic about it. I hope so. Um, that's my best case is that because if the state cracks down, I think they could kill it still. I think it's not too early. It's not too late to kill it. Maybe they have three, five, ten years before they could – it's too late to kill it. I don't know. I'm hoping that it reaches you know, orbital velocity and uh, – becomes something the state can't kill at a certain point. But I don't know if we're quite there yet. But I think the state is too slow and too stupid to try to kill it just yet. But they're killing it slowly with these regulations that you mentioned, like like these these monetary and tax regulations, they do put a big drag on it. So I think they're impeding it, but they're not totally stopping it well I, th I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that they don't a lot of them don't understand it i think there's very few people because most of the, as far as from a, um like if you look at the congressional kind of level i thought i think there's maybe one or two people that might have a decent grasp on it um and i think this is always probably a good thing um 
but but I think that's where why something like Libra. I was quite. I, I want to use the word optimistic because uh, it kind of infers positivity about it. But I was, I, I had a, I was optimistic about its chances of actually launching. It's looking less and less like it is, and that I was wrong on that. But something like Libra, I think, is going to come up because I don't foresee a central bank issuing this. Um, I think that especially in the United States, because if the Federal Reserve tried to do that um, and the U.S. Treasury switched to some sort of digital U.S. dollar, um, I, I think the, the problem is is that you, you start to have constitutional protections that can kick in and things like that, that to an extent, whereas a private company um, op operating kind of parallel to that, they're not bound by the same, I guess, restraints. Um, that as little as there 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 are, um, you know, in in the same way that there there are constitutional questions that get brought up with, you know, privacy and things like that, albeit they're often just ignored. Uh, but with a private company, it comes down to you know if you sign up for Facebook and you use it, you're agreeing to their terms and conditions and their terms of service, that you're handing over all your data basically. And with a private currency, it makes a lot of sense that it, this would be a better route because there's no restrictions on that there there's there's no because the u.s government couldn't i mean i guess in a way they they can freeze your bank accounts uh but but they they can't i, I mean really just say that you're not allowed to use u.s dollars anymore right um whereas libra could just say let's just say in a dystopian nightmare future they became the one world currency of sorts they could definitely just say, well, we don't like what you say, you know, and, you know, we're we're just going to cut you off. You're, you're not allowed to buy stuff anymore. You know, go um, go barter with carrots or something like that. Um, and, and that's that's I think that's probably the, the biggest attack vector on it. I don't think that they want to. I mean, they could crack down. You could. I mean, it's always difficult to say. I mean, you never know if there's some sort of incident and they find some you know in some uh, after some terrorist event that there's a, a jack's wallet um on the mobile phone with like 14 dollars uh, in crypto on it that they couldn't use that as some sort of pretense but i think they're too worried about handing over too much control and say pushing miners out of the west right and pushing development and thought leadership and all that kind of stuff out of their control because although they haven't that we know of put pressure on you know developers and various bitcoin companies to some i mean we kind of have heard a little bit about that but not really i think they would rather have that option open by keeping those of us who are passionate about it and in the community within their geographic borders but it, it this is all a lot of what if and maybes and i thinks yeah I have uh, – I don't disagree with any of that. I just – yeah, I don't have any strong opinions. Well, I, I think, uh, you know, given that our, our you know, our topic was um, in regards to um, ownership, property rights, and everything like that, I think we, we've done a really good overview of it. And um, I, I really appreciate you, you coming on Um it, were, were there any uh, closing thoughts that you had that you wanted to leave the audience with? I, I would just say that um, – 
it's not necessary to think about these things in these kind of detailed uh, theoretical ways, but it's not useless, and just because people do it doesn't mean we're being critical. I would say that. So if I say you don't own your Bitcoins, it's not a criticism of Bitcoin. It's just a legal distinction between what ownership means, and in a way, it's 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 a claim for Bitcoin because the way that you can control your so-called property rights with the cryptographic system without the state um, is 90% better than what the state gives you for protection of property rights in physical things like your bicycles or your cars or even your house. Right, so it's it's just a, a intellectual distinction, and it's not just playing games because this stuff is not easy to understand. You have to understand it. To understand it, you need to think about things at a different level: the role of information, the role of data structures, the role of money, what money means, how it emerged, uh, the purpose of money. The distinction between money and wealth, all these things, if you really want to understand this stuff. So I think it's fascinating. I think it's fruitful, um, and I would oppose anything that leads you to think of property rights and other people's things. Be careful about that, which is what ownership of Bitcoin ultimately means so be careful about that but it doesn't mean the end of bitcoin to acknowledge that that's what i would say well i i completely agree and i'd like to thank you again uh for talking with us i'll have the uh links to Stefan's twitter and all the articles and notes that we talked about in the show notes at uh, uh did you know crypto.com slash ep54 that's ep54 for episode 54 so thanks again thanks